Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 7, begin reading. Let me say from the onset, I am not a preacher's preacher, and uh, I do appreciate the opportunity and the confidence that Brother Davis has to invite us to come and minister here this morning. Uh, I wish all of the home church were here, and uh, I basically like to preach evangelistic, and uh, I'm not a preacher's preacher, but I'm going to do what has failed my lot to do today. You'll follow with us, Second Thessalonians chapter 2, begin reading with verse 7. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work, only he who now letteth will let, until he be taken out of the way. And then shall that wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth, and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power, and signs and lying wonders. <coughs> with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they receive not the love of the truth, that they might be saved. And for this cause God shall send them strong delusion. My friend, when God sends someone a delusion, there's no hope for them. Amen. Amen. That they should believe a lie, that they all might be damned who believe not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Could we go before the Lord in prayer this morning? Dear Jesus, we look to you again this morning, standing in need, Lord, of a touch of anointing of the Holy Ghost upon our lives. We pray that our hearts would be open and receptive unto you. Let the words, God, come to our mind that is needed to be spoken for this hour. But, Lord, the leading of your Spirit. Hallelujah. We want to hear from you this morning. We realize our weakness and our helplessness without you, Lord. We're looking to you, Jesus. Blessed be the name of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want you to turn and shake hands with your neighbor and say, I love this truth. God bless you. You may be seated. If I can figure out how to turn this thing on. There you go, Brother Westberg said it takes five seconds. He's got it down pat. If someone would be so kind as to get me just a little cup of water, I would appreciate that very much. <clears throat> the help of the good Lord, I want to preach to us a little while. I never did like anyone, and I teach our young men that are aspiring to the ministry, uh, don't ever get up and say, if I had a thought, <laughs> or if I had anything to say. You know, if, if God gives you something, just say it. Amen. If I had a thought. Hallelujah. I want to preach to us a little while this morning on this subject, the love of the truth. And I want to capitalize on the little word, the, T-H-E, the love of the truth. How many of you appreciate truth this morning? Hallelujah. I watch for and I listen for men's allegiance to this truth. I've been told that there are three things that people rally around. Number one, organization. Number two, personality. And number three, doctrine. And this morning I want to talk about doctrine or, if you please, truth. I thank God for truth. Jesus said in John 8 and 32, You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free or make you free. I thank God for it today. 
It's because of truth that we sit here in fellowship today in the Holy Ghost. And if I preach truth this morning, somebody can be made free. Somebody can be set free. I love to preach to people that love truth. Not only from their mind and from their mouth, but from way down inside. They have embraced this truth. Paul was writing to the church in Thessalonica and he was urging them to love the truth. He spoke about the mystery of iniquity. He went on to talk about Satan and all powers of signs and lying wonders and all deceivableness of unrighteousness. He said because they received not the love of the truth. It doesn't say a love for a truth. I believe there is a special love that God has to give us for a special truth. Amen. It was not one many, but it was a truth, meaning one. To me, there is a special need of a new renewing of a baptism of a love for this truth that we must get way down in our heart. I've seen people that could learn this truth, but they never did fall in love with it. I've seen people that could line up and love this truth, but for a season only, they never fell in love with this truth. Amen. I'd like to preach to you this morning that if we do not receive a genuine love for this truth. We're not going to make it in the end time. Amen. As a whole, as an overall scope picture of Pentecostalism, I believe there is something tremendously lacking in our devotion and in our allegiance to this truth. I think that some have never really fallen in love with this truth. I'm not talking about this local assembly. I appreciate the truth that has been proclaimed and upheld throughout the years here. A great track record of Brother Davis. 18 long years of preaching, proclaiming, enforcing the truth of the Word of God. And this church needs to every day be grateful to God that he has carried it up for you. The Senate agreement of God that loves your soul enough to proclaim truth to you. Thank God. I'm talking about a Laodicean mentality in Pentecostalism in general. I'm talking about people that claim to be one God, Jesus' name, baptized, Holy Ghost filled. I believe there's something drastically missing from our ranks, and I really don't know what it would be, Brother Davis, except it would be a love for the truth. There has got to be a special love. And it's up to me and it's up to you to get on our knees and on our prayer bones and cry out, God, baptize me with a genuine love for this truth. If I don't love it, love it, love it, in this day of deception, in this day of smooth talking, in this day of reasonable men, somewhere down the road, I'm going to meet my match. Somebody that can outthink me. Somebody that can outmaneuver me. Somebody that can outtalk me. If I don't fall in love with the apostolic truth, let's give the Lord a good hand clap of praise. Hallelujah, if I'm not careful, I'm going to look across town or down the street and I'm going to see somebody that's doing more than I am, seemingly. I'm going to see bigger crowds. I'm going to see people that seems to be enjoying life more than I am. I'm telling you, I've got to fall in love with this truth all over again. We live in a day when everything that can be shaken will be shaken. The only assurance I have of me standing on the solid foundation of Jesus Christ is that I fall in love with this truth all over again hallelujah I need to fall in love with my church 
all over again. I need to fall in love with my pastor all over again. Hallelujah. I need to love this with all of my heart. I want to tell you, I've learned some things that I'm sure all of us have, but I've learned some things that I never did love. I went to school, believe it or not. Even graduated in 12, I believe it was 12 years. <laughs> I learned the multiplication tables. But I'll be honest with you, I never did love it. I learned them because I had to. But I never did love it. Hallelujah. I learned how to put an old slimy green frog out of that old jar of whatever it was. Pin him down on a table and take a little pen knife and split his little belly open. And dissect him and look in there at all those things that's not very nice to talk about. I learned how to do that, Brother Davis, but to be honest with you, I never did love that. I did it just to get by. Hallelujah. I had to meet a grade. I had to, to meet the criteria that was there saying, it's either going to be 11th grade again or you can go to the 12th. I learned how to mow the grass around the house. And it wasn't what I got for mowing the grass, it was what I got for not mowing the grass. Hallelujah. I mowed the grass. I learned how to do it. I was telling our church not long ago, my dad probably never knew this, but I used to love to play football with the little neighborhood kids, and, and we would gang up, and we'd get two or three lawnmowers, and we'd get out there, and we'd come to my house, and we'd all take off, and we'd just run with those lawnmowers. You know it don't cut too good, but uh, we had me and another boy and another boy. We was kind of right in line. Man, we could mow them yards in a hurry. But it looked like some of these haircuts they have today. You know, it was high here and low here and medium here. <laughs> Hallelujah. But I learned how to do that. But I never did learn to love it. You can learn something and not fall in love with it. And I want to tell you, you can live something and not love it too. And I'm afraid we have a lot of Pentecostal people that are living something that they have never learned to love. When I was growing up, we had some far-out rules. At least I thought so, to live by. <clears throat> and I was concerned. I lived by those rules. I had this inspiration. It was a number 42 black belt. It inspired me to live by those rules. I didn't love them. But I learned how to abide by them. It was in the best interest of me. You know, I never did understand until I become a parent how Daddy could tell me I'm doing this because I love you. I thought, man, I wish you didn't love me so much. You're about to love me to death. <laughs> Can I tell you that there's a lot of people that have learned how to dress the part of a Pentecostal, that's learned how to live and go through the mechanics of worship in a service, but somehow they've never fallen in love with it. They've never received the love for the truth. It doesn't flow through their bloodstream. It's not marrow in their bones and cells in their bodies. We need to pray, oh God, baptize me all over again with the love, the love, the love for the truth. Without it, friend, we're going to receive a strong delusion and we will believe a lie and our soul will be down forever. This is a spirit of deception, of reasoning, of logic. The world is saying, come on, put your
to fit under our table. Let's sit down and reason this thing out. If you've never sat down with one of those smooth, powerful men or women uh, that move little pawns like you and I, perhaps, uh, and play with us like checkers, uh, and you walk into their presence, uh, and maybe you feel like you're Mr. Somebody, uh, you may have a lot, a whole lot up here, uh, but you better have something way down in here, my friend. They can play with your mind. They can change your thinking. But if you got it in your heart, friend, you go to your grave with it in your heart. Hallelujah. We've got to learn this truth. Hallelujah. When they start reasoning this thing out and start making you feel a little uneasy and uncomfortable, and they start saying things like, Now, Brother Pastor, just how long is long? Just how short is short? And nowadays, it's, it's not the pastor calling people on the carpet. They're calling the pastor on the carpet. Come on. Hallelujah. You mean just a little short sleeve, just a little wedding band, a little jewelry will send a man to eternal torment forever and ever and on and on and on we could go. You better have something way down on the inside that says, I love it, I love it, I love it. Brother Davis, you can't preach it too hard for me. I love it, I love it. I've got to be saved. I've got to make heaven my home. Hallelujah. I've heard the question asked many times. Are we one generation away from extinction? I used to think perhaps that might be true, but I believe there is a nucleus of people uh, that have got a grip on something. Hallelujah. That have something way down inside. Uh, friend, let me tell you something. Uh, if, uh, if right is right, it's right if everybody else is against it. And wrong is wrong if everybody else is for it. Hallelujah. Amen. You don't have to defend truth. It will defend itself. It needs no defense. Hallelujah. We better have something on the inside of us. But as a one God apostolic holiness church, are we one generation away from extinction? I'm going to proclaim, no, we are not. Hallelujah. We may be uh, rebuilding a little bit, but I believe we're getting stronger and stronger and stronger every day. Uh, hey, uh, just because they go into the name of Pentecostalism, uh, hey, they, they, the news media capitalize on that. Uh, they have someone that's way off somewhere in a little branch of Pentecostalism, uh, and they put it in the, the headlines. Uh -huh. Pentecostal preacher. Yeah. It's caught up with. Come to find out way down there in the little bit, he's assembly of God or something of that nature. They're against us. Hallelujah. But I want to tell you there are people here today and I believe across the earth that are embracing this apostolic truth. You know, you don't take a plate of food and uh, maybe you want this salted over here and this salted. You don't just put one big glob of salt in there and stir it all up. You kind of sprinkle it around. Here a little, there a little. Hallelujah. And I believe God's doing that. He's got a little over here, a little over here, a little over here. Hallelujah. Maybe we can season this thing up a little bit. Amen. You can receive the doctrine from a pastor, but the love for it comes from above. We can legislate it to our children, but somehow they must fall in love with it for themselves. If somehow our young men and women do not fall in love with our way of dress and our way of worship and our way of prayer and our way of 
has got authority. Except they live it, live it, live it. It's going to be lost. And they're going to be lost also. But I believe I'm looking at people today that love this truth, friend. It's a crying shame when the Masonic brethren can love their masonry more than we love our church. It's a shame when the Vatican can love their priesthood more than we love this truth. We're seeing at a wholesale price men and women that are turning their backs on the old landmarks and walking away and finding them a new love. You ask, how can it happen? Why has it happened? The only thing that I can figure out is that they never did learn to love it. They lived it, yes. They followed all the dress codes, the standards, but somehow they never did get it way down in here. They learned how to come to church and, uh, and uh, abide and, and please the pastor. They knew that the dress length had to be so-and-so and the sleeve length so-and-so and the hair such a way. And uh, I'm telling you, you can see some of the most modern, <laughs> the most modest things in our Pentecostal services. If you want to know what the latest thing is in Hollywood, just go to some Pentecostal churches and you'll find out. If you want to find the latest hairstyles, just come to some churches you'll find it you know we used to have problems with the pork chop sideburns now we've got the European homosexual style way off up here hallelujah what's the matter what's the cause of all that somewhere there's not been a love embedded in that heart hallelujah hallelujah some people think as one man said if when we was a kid anything that was fun was wrong I don't believe that. I've been having fun here this morning. Hallelujah. There's religions today that used to have altars in their churches that have been taken out. I've lived to see in one generation these people sell what holiness they had. They had the great orators. They had the smooth, silver-tongued, convictionless, gutless preachers, if you please, that didn't love what they're preaching. It didn't take a hundred years, one generation. One generation, they sold out. I've seen others that dressed and lived perhaps just like we live today. But one generation of gifted, charismatic men that wanted the crowds more than they wanted truth, and they sold out. Now the question is, you ask them, when did God leave you? They cannot tell you. They think they have just as much as they always had. Deceived. Believed a lie. Our only salvation is to fall in love all over again with this truth. Paul writing to Ephesians in chapter 6 verse 14 talking about putting on the whole armor of God to have your loins girt about with truth. The loins represent two things. Number one, they represent power. The most powerful muscles in our bodies are around the loin area. Number two, it represents reproduction. What he was telling us was to have real strength and real reproduction. We've got to be girt about with truth. Girt about your loins with truth. Everybody say truth. Say truth. We've got to have truth. There is a special devotion and affection that we must have for this truth. It's more than just living it. It's more than just learning it. It's got to get way down on the inside of our heart. 
Use local church here. I want to preach to you for just a few moments. When your pastor stands and gets down on one God, we ought to be jumping up and down on our feet. Saying, I believe it, I believe it, I believe it. I love it, I love it, I love it. When it gets on Jesus' name baptism, we ought to be on the edge of our pew saying, I love it, I love it, I love it. Hallelujah. I want this local church to say, preach it, brother. Say, preach it, brother. That's what you ought to be doing when your pastor's up here on a Wednesday night, on a Sunday night, saying, preach it, brother. I believe it. I love it. I contend if you love it, you're going to do something or say something every once in a while. Amen. Say amen or clap your hands or praise the Lord. Shake a bush, raise your hand up, jump up and down, run around the aisle, kick a foot in the air, express yourself somehow. Hallelujah. I've seen guys at car auctions. Anybody ever been to a car auction? Some of you have. Well, you'll know I'm telling the truth. I've seen these guys at car auctions in Houston, Texas, Beaumont, and Lake Charles, and other areas, Shreveport, Arkansas, working up sweat, trying to sell an old junker that they can't even get a bid on. <clears throat> I thought, man, how we need that guy in our church. He is excited about trying to sell something that nobody else wants. And then I thought, well... He'd probably sit down and act like everybody else. It's a crying shame when people of this world love what they're doing more than we love what we're doing. David said, I was glad when they said unto me, let's go to church. Hallelujah. Let's go to church. Let's go to church. When your pastor gets up here on a Wednesday night and, and maybe gets bogged down a little bit, and we be honest, it, it happens to all of us. And some of you that's got battle scars on your knuckles and on your back and got knife scars on your shoulders and your side, you've been there before, friend. You ought to slide to the edge of your pew and say, Come on, Brother Davis. Preach, preach, preach. Shame on you. If you let this man carry the load by himself. He was there when you needed him at the bedside. He was there in the hospital. He was there when your children were born. He prayed for you when you were sick and God healed you. He dug you out of the miry clay. <laughs> hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Praise Glory. And then comes one of those Wednesday nights, revival is over, and it's time for the pastor to plow. And he gets up and he begins to plow and plow deep. And he starts preaching on television. Or let me rephrase that. He starts preaching against television. <laughs> this is on tape. He starts preaching against television. It's time to say, Amen. I believe it. I love it. I'm on your side. And if you don't do that, you know what you're telling everybody? I don't believe it. I don't love it. You see, your indecision many times becomes your decision. Your silence declares and screams loud what you believe. 
You let a sinner walk in and a preacher start plowing a little bit uh, on television or video or smoking or drinking or something along that line. Uh, and you just sit there uh, and that sinner's going to leave there saying that preacher's the only one that believes that. From the front to the back, there should be a resounding, amen, I believe it. And that sinner will leave there saying, hey, that whole bunch believes what he's preaching. Maybe he gets up one night and preaches on tithing. And oh, the guy that needs it is sitting right beside me. He's there. Sure he's there. He needs to hear it or he's going to be lost. Here's this little timid fellow that's sitting close beside him. Now he believes what he's being preached, but this big guy here, he don't believe it. And, and uh, you know, I don't, want to, I don't want to upset him. You know what it's time for that little timid fellow to do? To let that big guy know that he believes what his pastor's preaching. That he loves this truth. If you sit there like an owl on a tombstone, he'll think you're siding with the rebels. He'll think you're on his side. There comes a time when a pastor would rather preach something evangelistic, but there's souls in balance that maybe one service could pull them back in the fold. The eternity could be at stake. It's time to stand up. Let him, God, the devil, the pastor, and everybody know I love this truth. I'm on your side. I'm going to ride with you. What time is it? <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank God for singing. Thank God for shouting. Thank God for our running. Uh, but there should be a greater anticipation uh, when the man of God steps to this pulpit to preach the Word of God. Uh, thank God for a man uh, that's going to preach truth uh, to my children uh, that they can be saved. Uh, thank God my children's going to hear truth tonight. Hallelujah. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Shame on you that can get with somebody singing and shout the walls down with a choir. And when your pastor comes up here to this podium, you sit down and catch up on your rest. Amen. I'm telling you, there should be an excitement in our heart about the preach word of God. And I want to go a little further on that subject. Shame on you that can get more excited about a pastor or another preacher coming through and preaching. And you can get more excited about him than you do your pastor. Amen. Listen to me. Don't you know that everybody that comes through here has two or three good sermons? Come on now. Someone preaches and you say, oh, I wish Brother Davis could preach like that. Don't even dignify that kind of stupidity with an answer. <laughs> Hallelujah. Our pastor went to preach a place one time, Brother McMullen. We were helping him with the choir, and the choir went to sing, and man, the choir sang great, and Brother McMullen preached wonderful tremendous and one of the well I won't say what come to my mind but this fellow from the church <clears throat> come up to him and he said uh, pastor said 
why don't you preach like this at home? I mean, he said it in a kind way, just smiling, joking, you know, everybody was excited. And he looked at him and said, well, why don't you act like this at home? <laughs> Let me tell this church something here. And I told you I wasn't a preacher's preacher, but when this pastor takes this pulpit and breaks the bread of life, you're getting the best preaching you'll ever get anywhere, anytime, place, by anybody. And you better say amen or I'll pull over there and park a while. Hallelujah. We could be, I'm not referring to this local assembly, I know better, but there's some places that are one generation, one generation away from people that get behind their pastor. People don't want pastors anymore. They want preachers. They want orators. Brother Davis, every time we pray somebody through, you preach them off. Run them off. I won't say anything. They go somewhere else. Too hard. What was that, Brother Travis said? You can't get straighter than straight. If it ain't straight, it's crooked. I like that. Hallelujah. We don't love the truth. You're going to meet somebody on the street that's going to tell you, oh, God is moving at our church and give you this fascinating tale and, and tell you we don't have to do all those things over there at our church. And, and we've got all nine gifts of the Spirit. Some of them have 12, 15. <clears throat> you let your pastor go in there and preach one good message on repentance and that thing would fall apart at the seams. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It would look like it was put together with silly putty or hairspray or something. I mean, it would come to pieces. You let someone preach against adultery and alcohol and television and just see if they love truth. I mentioned this at Brother Saul's meeting. I'm going to mention it again. Some things are worth repeating. One man said, if you've got truth and your church has truth, how come you don't have the biggest church? He said, well, let's talk about the church just a little bit. He said, you take everybody out of your church that dips and chews. Take everybody out of your church that smokes and drinks and watches television. Take all the men out that chase women and all the women out that chase men. And let's see who's got the biggest church. <clears throat> and this man said, well, we wouldn't even have a pastor. <laughs> Don't be a silly with a crowd. Thank God for a pastor that loves truth. It started in the beginning. The Lord said, thou shalt not. Poor old Adam and Eve. One requirement. Thou shalt not. We've been having problems with it ever since. It's a rare thing today to find somebody that really wants to be saved. That really wants to be sold out teetotally to this truth. <clears throat> we had a lady pray through at our church and... Uh, I preached one morning on holiness. 
rings and all that stuff down the line. <coughs> and she left just physically trembling and crying. And, and uh, well, she had a wedding ring, big old rock on it. I went to the bank the next morning and <coughs> the Lord blessed us. We had, in fact, we call it the first Pentecostal bank of De Quincey. The president has a Holy Ghost. The, uh, the lady that takes care of the loan payments, she received the Holy Ghost. Uh, the lady that receptionist received the Holy Ghost. Two tellers received the Holy Ghost. And uh, then another lady that goes to our church had already had the Holy Ghost. So we've got, I think, two left in there that doesn't have the Holy Ghost. One of them retired. And <clears throat> I guess the other one's going to retire or get it one, get the Holy Ghost. Anyway, I went to talk to her, and, and she began to tell me about, about some things. And she said, I wasn't going to tell you this, but she said, and I'm not going to tell you who it was. She didn't really have to. I didn't want to know. But she said, so-and-so come to me and right after I got the Holy Ghost a couple of weeks ago and, and uh, said, has Brother Wayne Cardwell asked you to take your ring off yet? She said, no. Said, well, he will. Said, he'll tell you you're going to hell if you don't. I thought, that's so ignorant. Why can't we leave the pastoring to the pastor? Hallelujah. Had a man received the Holy Ghost that got out of penitentiary, been in there for armed robbery. In fact, I've got a paper on my desk <clears throat> I've had for some time. Right after he received the Holy Ghost, got a full pardon from the governor, signed by the governor. And, uh, of course, he's thankful for the greater pardon of his sins being forgiven. Living for God. Had the Holy Ghost a couple of years now. When he received the Holy Ghost, <clears throat> had a mustache. I believe if it's wrong on a yellow man, it's wrong on a white man. If it's wrong on a white man, it's wrong on a black man. Anybody. Man, what's good for the goose is good for the gander. Hallelujah. <laughs> I know you do. <laughs> I know you do. <clears throat> and he came in my office and he said, uh, he was talking about something else that wasn't totally different from this. And he said, uh, oh yeah, as he walked out, he said, what about this? And I just kind of, I said, well, what about it? Like, man, you know, what's wrong with that? He said, uh, well, he said, sometimes I get to thinking it's all right, and other times he said, I just don't know. He said, what you want me to do? I said, well, I want you to pray about it. You come back in three days and you tell me what you think about it. Now, he had the spirit. I could have told him right then, but I wanted him to pray and get a love for it in his heart. <clears throat> the next day, I saw him. He come up just smiling. It was gone. I haven't had any problem with it since. Amen. A love for the truth. Just, just anything. Well, one writer said, and I know it may not be in context, but it said, what must I do to be saved? And others said, what will you have me do? In other words, some say, just draw a line. I want to get just as close as I can. Just barely make it. And others say, what will you have me do? How far can I get to in God? How, how close can I get? To, how can I consecrate and dedicate myself to Him? He said, oh, that I had some water from the well. He never commanded anybody to do anything. He never said, you three men, I command you to go over there and get me some water out of that well. But they picked up on just a desire of the pastor. Hallelujah. Oh, I just wish that we had such and such and somebody gets together and say, hey, why don't we do that? 
He said, he didn't ask us to. He just said, I wish it was that way. And so these saints of God get together uh, and they fulfill the desires of the pastor. Don't be deceived with a crowd, my friend. Uh, Thank God for a pastor that preaches truth. Paul said in Romans 11 and 5, Even so then at this present time also, uh, there is a remnant. Uh, If you love that wife and those kids, uh, you cannot just turn your back and walk away from them. Don't tell me you love them and then turn around and walk out the next day. Don't tell me you love this truth and next week we can't find you with a search warrant. Friend, if you love it, if you really love it, you're going to be here through the thick and through the thin, through the good times and through the bad times. And when this church hits a dry spot, and they all do, anybody that says they don't, they'll probably lie about something else. A friend of mine had preached at a particular church several times, and every time he, he went, it was just like this service, you know, just, and people was getting and juking and jiving, doing a hook of boat and jumping up and biting the ceiling. They was having church. <clears throat> and one time on vacation, he slipped in on a Wednesday night. They didn't know he was coming. He wasn't preaching. And he said it was drier than last year's bird nest. And strangest thing, he said, Thank God. They just like the rest of us. <laughs> Amen. I found out it's hard to feed sheep when they're running. We've got to sit down and be preached to every once in a while. Hallelujah. But when things get a little slow, we need to say, Pastor, we're going to have revival. And there's been some sitting back said, Man, I don't know what's wrong. I just don't know if I'm going to stay around here anymore. It seems like something's wrong with our church. It is. Your stinking attitude. I'm fixing to close. Just a few moments. The Ichabod Memorial Church packs them in with folk music. Ephesus tries personalities. Pergamus says, we'll try this fellow that can play a saxophone, a piano, and beat the tap drums all at the same time. Then Sardis says, we're going to put on a quilting party. And at Laodicea, they say, well... We've heard about this talking horse. And they bring the horse in and they ask him how many commandments there are and he stomps out ten commandments. <coughs> and they ask him how many... Of <laughs> Brother Davis, I don't know if he could tell how old you were or not. <laughs> That's an inside joke. <laughs> he asked him how many apostles there were and he stomped 12 times. Someone in the crowd out there said, well, hey, how many hypocrites are there? And old horse went to dancing around on all four. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> it's time to deal with absolutes, either black or white. The absolute authority of the scripture. The absolute lordship of Jesus Christ. The absolute sovereignty of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Matthew 12 and 30 said, He that is with me or that is not with me is against me. And he that gathereth not with me scattereth abroad. If our musician will come quickly with the Titanic.
sank in 1912 were supposedly unsinkable. And that's the only thing it ever did. <clears throat> when it left England, there were all kinds of passengers. There were millionaires. There were celebrities. There were people of middle income. Even down in the bottom of the ship, there were some poor folks. But a few hours later, a list was made, and it only had two categories. Lost and saved. We're dealing with absolutes today. It's not all love, love, love. It's not all truth, truth, truth either. It's got to be a mixture. Truth will keep you from turning to sugar. And love will keep you from turning to vinegar. Could we stand this afternoon? <clears throat> Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Do you love this truth? <clears throat> we've come a long ways in Pentecost. We've come from experience to performance. There was a small boy in a parade. And this little boy seemed like he was out of step with all the rest in the the conductor of the band was concerned. And he began to investigate and he revealed that this little boy had a radio under his coat, had some earphones on, and he was marching to the music from miles away. And that's the way real apostolic Christians should go through this world. Out of step with its music, marching to the drumbeat of another world. There's some here, I thank God for our elders. You're not as young as you used to be. You may have some snow on the roof, but there's still fire in the furnace. Thank you for handing this truth to us young men. <clears throat> A young inspector, I'll tell this, and I'm closing. We had hired on that place where they printed money. He was hired as an inspector, and he had trouble separating the counterfeit bills from the real, the genuine. And he asked an older man that was seasoned and had experience and seemingly could just and instantly know the difference. And he asked this gentleman, how do you recognize the counterfeit? And here's what he told him. He said, really, he said, you just spend a lot of time getting familiar with the real. And when you do that, said, you'll recognize the counterfeit when it shows up. Just get familiar with the real. Hallelujah. Could we thank God for truth again? Thank you, Jesus. <clears throat> hallelujah. We hallelujah. Glory, glory, hallelujah. Glory, glory, hallelujah. His truth is you have your Bibles, I want you to hold your Bibles up. Let's sing that again. Glory, glory, hallelujah. Glory, glory, hallelujah. 
marching. One 